Thomas Ross Parry. <laughs> Matthew Stephen Boyle. Yeah, all right, thanks, mate. <laughs> I'm trying to go for a more upbeat, full energy introduction. I mean, I I think this is the first time you've called me mate in an introduction. Yeah, I don't ever new. call anyone mate. It's a living okay. in London. You well, know. I don't know. Do people call people mate in London? I think I think people call people mate all over the world, mate. All right, mate. How's it going, mate? All right, mate. Let's let's get into it, mate. It's Tom about attack. <laughs> As introductions go, we're on a run of pretty bad introductions. I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah. last week's was particularly bad, but this week, I, I don't know. At least there was something in it. At least there was hey, a question to be asked it, about. <laughs> I won't, Don't stress, mate. mate. It feels like that South Park <laughs> bit. Like, I ain't your pal, guy. I ain't your guy, friend. I ain't your friend, buddy. Yeah. Uh, How are you don't doing? Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. Oh, God, the weather's just gone dull. As soon as we started, the weather's gone dull. It was nice and sunny. It's very sort of humid Look, weather. This isn't a weather report. How are you? Um, I well, I was actually going to say about the weather because I mean the weather here is also crap. Like it feels like we need to cover this at the start of the podcast, especially as we didn't do one last week because because the weather was somehow. Nice. <laughs> Somehow, Tom, look, it was 21 degrees here last Sunday. Yeah. And, like, we looked at weather forecasts and it said, hey, it's going to be 21 degrees until 3 o'clock. And we were like, okay, we should probably get out then as there's been no sunlight for the last three weeks. So we did. We mm. went on a nice walk, which was good. And then, lo and behold, Tom, came home 3 o'clock, heavens opened, and then there was thunder and lightning all night. So we didn't really sleep. It was. Oh, that's a shame. That's no good. It was not, but, um, not very good. Like, literally <clears throat> lighting up the room lightning. It was yeah, very, very loud. I haven't seen loud. that for a while. Not here. Um, we went out for a, a walk yesterday, and uh, we nearly got back to the flat without any rain. And it just uh, it was a sudden downpour just before we uh, we got back. But we decided we'd, we'd stop in Morrison's and pick some bits up. Anyway, when we were in Morrison's, it was playing, um, Do you like pina coladas and getting caught in the yeah. rain? Getting caught in the rain. And I thought, oh, that's pretty apt. There you go. Did you end up buying some pina colada mix? No, no, no. We bought we bought a four pack of Fosters. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we went for we went to dinner at someone's house yesterday. We didn't drink, and we we bought some Tubog Null, which is like alcohol free Tubog, and yeah. it was like. It was supposed to be a Rattler, which I, if you are familiar with a Rattler, it's essentially kind of like a shandy. It's like lemonade and beer. And it was like Tulbog Null. And I was like, okay, this looks like what is traditionally a shandy. A shandy. And it called itself a Rattler. And I grabbed one. And I we got it back to the person's place and we were, we opened one up. And it was essentially, it tasted like an energy drink without the caffeine. And I looked at the back of it and it was all just fruit juice. And I was like, this isn't a beer. This is a lie. Um, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. It was not good. A Rattler. Anyway, I was, was going to of... say, is that is that a, a more rad version of the Riddler? Oh God! If only it would have been at least yeah. exciting. At least they're I perhaps... Kind of my maybe that's a marketing that. thing. 
You did. I mean, if they would have had something under the ring pull, like a Snapple, if you've ever had one of those American lemonades where it like has a fun fact or a riddle, that would have been something. But it didn't. It was just disappointment in a can. Um. Anyway, oh enough about alcohol and um, this is our banter section, isn't it? This is the icebreaker. This is <laughs> you and me having a banter. Yeah, exactly. A couple of mates. We having a chinwag. We have a. We have a quarter. Uh, not everyone knows this. We don't actually make like any notes about the things that matter. We just like look at time dot is, and we look and we go, okay, cool. We've done our four minutes of uh, mandatory banter. Let's get into twenty minutes of uh, regular game talk, followed by a ten-minute rant about either from Matt or Tom about a particular topic. Yeah, I'm not particularly angry about anything in video games currently. Um... But let's leave that rant for the bit. What for a bit? What have you been playing? <laughs> um. Well, I mean, surprise, surprise, Tom Parry. I've been playing more of Final Fantasy fourteen. I have reached Shadowbringers, <laughs> and I can I can see why people like Shadowbringers. Um, okay. there's it's very interesting. There's some like story beats and stuff in there that. I'm I'm gonna mention like spoilers for ten minutes of Shadowbringers if you if you've played or are, are planning to play through like 150 hours of Final Fantasy 14 to get to this point, but um essentially the game starts with you going into this um this new realm like not even the same world that you're in, and you go into this forest and it's like beautiful like crazy like really really bright lights it almost feels angelic and like biblical you know like when you look at a renaissance painting and there's like crazy light that feels very bright and dramatic and it's like okay this is really interesting that this world is like this and a character tells you oh you should get to the nearest town it's the middle of the night and your character is like but it, it it's daylight and the the character jokes to you is like haha it hasn't been night to you for a hundred years and you're like well that's quite an interesting premise and as you get through it, you have your character is known as the Warrior of Light. That is your moniker throughout all of this RPG so far. And then it turns out that the light is evil in this particular world, and there are lots of like angelic-looking, like Roman statues that feel like either like angels or are like there's a giant stone lion and there's these beautiful creatures made out of stone, but they're called sin eaters. And essentially what they do is kill people. And it's kind of flipping this idea of oh, not <laughs> sin eater, sin eater. No, not sin eater. It's flipping this idea of all that is all that you've kind of been led to believe in this game so far. And all that we in the real world kind of hold to be as symbols of like holiness and like purity and kind of subverting that in a very interesting way. And I, I've played a lot of that. And even that first sequence of you walking from this forest where you meet this guy to the first town is really, really dramatic. Um, they actually brought in a new composer for this, from my understanding. Or I think he had worked on previous games, but they'd let him lead it. And it's a gentleman uh, called Soken uh, Masayoshi, or Mas- uh, Masayoshi Soken to us in the West. And it feels very near. He isn't the guy who composed near soundtrack, even though he worked, He was the lead composer, I think, on Dragon Guard 3, which is another Yokotaro game. But it's very near to the sound of the near 
soundtrack. Yes, quite close to the sound of Nia. Um, and it, it's very like, you know what Nia's like. It's very like rhythmic, very thumping, lots of like vocal melodies that aren't words of like trills of audio things and like layering of vocals and harmonies and stuff. And it feels very dramatic. And I was sure, like, wow, yeah. this is... It, even the music in this game is elevated. And mm-hmm. I think from what I've seen so far, like this idea of a never-ending day and you fighting these monsters that, like I said, feel biblical and holy and everything else, has really upped the ante. And the story is definitely an MMO story, but the cutscenes and the bits that are there and like the main characters that are introduced within this game certainly feel like the high notes for me of Final Fantasy VI. And I was like, wow, Shadowbringers is what everyone is saying. And I'm like, this just really makes me want a remake of Final Fantasy VI because this main villain kind of reminds me a lot of Kefka. And then it makes me think, should I just be playing Final Fantasy VI? All in all, though, well, yeah, that generally would be nice, really enjoyable. It? Yeah. Because obviously Final oh, Fantasy man. VI was a 2D game. It would be... Uh quite a massive change to see that in 3d wouldn't it quite interesting well i mean if you think about it right like one and two have been remade several times like starting with the versions on the wonder swan which then made their way to the playstation and then into the gba like one and two have been remade several times three obviously got its ds remake a couple of years ago as did four yeah five and six have kind of been left off to the side and I don't really know why that is. I can understand with 5, because it didn't really get a Western release until much later, unless you were playing it through Emily. But 6 did, as 3, didn't it? As Final yeah, Fantasy 3, that did. was a pretty big release. And, and very yeah. revered among the series, isn't it? I mean, did it, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a scope and scale thing. But I, I would honestly have perhaps preferred a remake of 6 to 7, as much as I like what they did with 7 and remake and everything else. Like, I would really love six to be remade. I think that it's probably well, it goes back and forth between six or seven being my favorite, and I think six has so many amazing moments in it that it's overall, if you look at it, like as much as I love seven and kind of blinded by my own nostalgia, I think six is a better story, and six is probably a better game as a result. Hmm. Sure. Well, rather than being so Final Fantasy seven eccentric, then it would be nice to see a bit more variety. Uh. Yeah, I think we're going to definitely see more remakes going into the future of video games. Uh, with the success so. of Resident Evil 2 Remake, 3, and then Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, I think throughout this generation, there's lots of scope to see more remakes. It's going to happen, I think. Well, I mean, you know, it. it I guess video games are kind of entering that same era that film has, right? Where it's mm. just like, okay... People really care about this. There's there's good bones to this. Let's flesh it out. And obviously Final Fantasy VII Remake and Resi 2 have proven that, yes, as long as the core concept was good to start with, you can update the controls, you can update the visuals, you can introduce new mechanics that make it more accessible to a new audience and still keep everyone happy. Yeah, I'm, great I'm examples. Totally I mean, visually stunning, the two of them, but also in, in terms of uh, gameplay, that they do add enough uh, fresh uh, stuff in there. And it's notably different, aren't they? You know, the remakes are different from the originals, so there's a reason to play them. They have to be adapted slightly. You couldn't do exactly the same thing, I don't think. No, exactly. And 
To be fair, though, maybe with 6, even just remaking it in modern-day graphics like they have with something like Trials of Mana recently, or Sikandetsu 3, that would be good enough, honestly. It's a lower-budget remake, aren't they? There's like there's tiers of remakes, isn't there? There's like yeah. the mobile phone remake, and then there's the big uh, console remake. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, to be fair, like I think Trials of Mana sits somewhere in between that, right? Like, it's the... They remade Secret of Mana, and that was clearly more like felt like a mobile phone remake to some people because they weren't happy with the level of what they'd done to it. It was pretty much one to one that Super Nintendo game. Whereas Trials of Mana at least has gone okay. Let's modernize some of this combat flow. Let's modernize some of the visuals. Make sure the storytelling makes sense and all of this kind of stuff. Whereas yeah. Secret of Mana is literally hey, let's one to one remake this thing. But just make it look slightly nicer than a Super Nintendo game in 3D. I wonder how the Monster World 4 remake's going to be. I'm not sure if that's out yet or not, or it's it's out soon. No, I've seen some screen grabs of it and like people complaining about the visuals and going like, oh, look how gorgeous this was as pixel art, and now look how bare it looks as a thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's great for you to think about that, but I mean... It's the original people who made this game. It's not a budget thing. Clearly, they want it to look like this because that's how they envisioned it at the time. I don't know. It, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Or the whole idea of like remaking something yeah. like that. But hey, it well, is what I think it is. Wonder, Wonder Boy Three was yeah. Wonder Boy Three definitely had more uh, of artistic uh, stance on it, didn't it? That's not quite the right word, but you know the the, the, imag- the reimagining of Wonder Boy Three. Uh, had a very particular visual style, which wasn't the norm, I think, for these the 3D remakes. Whereas Wonder Boy 4 looks a lot like a lot of other. What you'd expect a 3D remake to look like. Yeah, exactly. But then again, Wonder Boy 3 wasn't in 3D, was it? It was it was a 2D remake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with exactly. a very particular art style. So, yeah, I mean, it's up to the developer how they they approach these things. Exactly, and again, I'm I'm also just going to question people on the internet yelling at the clouds and going, oh, this, back in my day, this looked beautiful, look at it now. It's like, this is the original development team. It's like um, with Shenmue 3, right? And people going like, oh, uh, Yusuzuki must have the rights to Shenmue, like he, he only he can do it, and then he releases Shenmue 3, and they're like, actually, maybe you give it back to Sega. <laughs> Let's see what Sega can do with it. Mm. I noticed... Uh... Shenmue, the uh, remastered collection, being uh, promoted on YouTube recently with a video uh, from uh, the voice of Rio, I, I forget his name, and one of those Shenmue uh, mega fans. Uh, also, he's pretty famous in the gaming journalism circuit, but he was okay. he was chatting about, and it was top tips for Shenmue One and Two. Uh, so that, that was interesting to see see a bit of uh, focus on Shenmue. Currently, because I, I was trying to think, well, what's the reason? Why suddenly out of the blue is it being promoted? I don't know the answer to that, but it's good to see some love for Shenmue out there uh, for in an official capacity. Yeah, I mean, hey, like that love for Shenmue is obviously in an unofficial capacity never disappeared, but I think perhaps maybe they're seeing that people are really getting into Shenmue in a big bad way and going, ha, actually, maybe we should remind them that these games exist uh, legitimately on PS4s and Xboxes. And whatever, yeah, you can so. you can still pick pick those up. Exactly. Yep. What about you, Tom? Been playing well, anything else? I have I have one more game I've been playing, but I, I want to get into a, a deeper conversation around that, perhaps. 
So uh, I'll start off with saying I picked up Pokemon Snap. Yeah. And I played through the first level uh, day and night. And I did find yeah. myself getting all excited. Oh, well, there's a Marrel. Oh, there's a... What do you call it? I can't think of any Pokemon names off the top of my head now. But, a Pichu. Uh, there's a Pichu. There's, there's, there's a Grokey, you know. And I was getting all excited. Oh, get, oh that's a great picture. And I was I was feeling the, the buzz from playing yeah. the game. And I thought it was very well presented. And I was I like that little scanner thing you can do. This is something of interest. You can press a button and scan for it, and that added a little bit more to the gameplay. I thought. So my overall impressions of it were good. However, yeah. for the past uh, couple of weeks, I've mostly just been playing So Calibur Six. Ah, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, like to be honest with you, I I have not touched Pokemon Snap. I think since last time we talked about it, I, it's been one of those things that I've been like, oh, I should sit down and play some Pokemon Snap, but. I think it's I've one of those enjoying... games. It's very good when you do decide you want to sit down and play it, but yeah. I don't know. I don't feel the urge to go back to it. I mean, for me, right? It's been I. I have these periods where I'm either watching a show in my spare time, uh, as was the case when I was working through all of One Piece, or I'm reading a lot of books, which is what I'm currently doing now, and so. I have periods where I play a lot of games. I have periods where I watch a lot of TV. I have periods where I read a lot of books and I do a lot of like design stuff on the back. Like it, it tends to come in cycles of what's interesting me at the time. Yeah. And because of that, I think the the few hours I've devoted to gaming has been to Final Fantasy just to get to that level yeah. of deep. Well, I'm it's exactly the now. same. Exactly the same here because what I've been playing on Shenmue Six, it Shenmue Six. Shenmue 6. Wow, that's a, Tom Perry. That's a podcast the name for you. <laughs> Shenmue 6. No, um, so Calibur 6. I've been playing the Libra of Soul mode, which is effectively an RPG. I don't right. know if you've sampled this particular mode on the game. I have not. So I gave up on it on the PS4. And I think in part that was due to the low times, because there's a lot of like jumping in and out of gameplay to a lot of reading, basically. And you know, you know, and our listeners know, I'm not a fan yeah of reading in video games, especially in a fighting game where you just want to get stuck into it. Um, yeah. At least I do. Uh, so I gave up on that and, you know, having to deal with, you know, slightly lengthy low times wasn't, you know, wasn't something I was feeling. So um, but after I got Game Pass and I noticed So Calibur 6 was available on there, I decided, well, I'll download that and I'll actually play Libra of Soul because I'm sure these low times are going to be cut down a little. It may be just easier to get through it. Yeah. And yeah, I think that is the case. I think the load times are faster. Now I can't say exactly how much faster they are, but certainly I didn't feel the the urge to give up on it. And I I have persevered, and I think I'm coming up to the ten hour mark on Libra of Soul now. It's a Ooh. very lengthy uh, campaign, shall I say, if you can call it a campaign. Um, there's a lot of depth to it as as you get into uh, into the game. You do level up as in you know rpgs yeah and then you also uh gain weapons as you play through the game you can buy weapons or you can uh, win them after winning fights and the weapons also have a level although they have a set level you know i've got about 100 or so weapons now so you just kind of go through what you've picked up at random what's been dropped by an enemy and then you go oh right, okay this is kind of close to my level i'm at now i'll, I'll use this weapon and then you can uh, upgrade your weapons. And some weapons have one slot for upgrading, some have two, and some even have three. And the kind of upgrades right. you can add are like your health um, can increase or your soul gorge can increase or um, 
perhaps you get stronger when your health hits 30 percent you know things like this so you can add these upgrades to your, your weapon and you can also influence uh, how the match plays out by eating food before a match as well and again you pick up food in the same way as weapons and you can also buy food from the towns and such and also you yeah. can level up the towns as well uh, so if you do various side quests around a town the town will then level up um, one of the examples of the benefit of doing that is you'll get like a blacksmith at one of the towns. Just one, though, it appears, <laughs> if you right. level the uh, town up. The other advantage to leveling towns up, don't, there doesn't seem to be many. I don't really understand the point of it, but there is an achievement for fully leveling up four towns. But uh, those missions, those side quests, sort of appear at random, so you have to keep checking back You know, if there's a mission near a town so you can level it up. Say eleven of the towns are beside the point. I guess the whole point of it is to tell a story about a unique character, not one of the named characters in Soul Calibur, but you make your own character, and the storyline for your whatever character you make is you've been exposed to this uh, evil energy, this astral fissure, I think it's called, and you need to keep absorbing these as they're appearing around the world uh, in order to stay alive. And unlike some of the other um, people who have experienced these, you're able not to go insane by experiencing it, where other people okay. go berserk and they become, I think they're called malfested, and you have to fight a lot of them in the storyline. But somehow you're able to uh, keep going. You just need to absorb them every so often. To It doesn't really play into the gameplay. There's no sort of like time of saying, now you need to do one of these missions. It's just part of the, the story. And you, you team up with a bunch of characters, uh named characters and, and not actually and your end objective is to take down the evil wizard as well who wants to obviously he wants soul caliber soul edge and he wants supreme yeah. power and uh, it's not really a spoiler to say that your destiny is to get one of the swords and defeat as well yeah. And uh, every so often, very rarely, but every so often, you're asked to make a choice, a moral choice. And that moral choice will then influence which sword you get at the end of the game. Okay. When I say end of the game, uh, you fight as well about... He's level 55 when you fight him. I was like level 75 when I fought as well. So that showed that I'd done a lot of side quests along yeah. the way because i was trying to get all the achievements and i was thinking is the game going to end after i fought as well if i haven't got all the achievements before i fight him am i going to get another chance to get them but as it turns out there's another chapter after beating as well um so the game just continue and i say i've been playing it for nearly 10 hours now and it's, it's still going uh to be fair i've skipped a lot of the uh, chatter between fights I've, I've picked up those core bits, the main story beats, but there's a lot of side quests, which I, I mostly just skip entirely. Um, okay. But yeah, it loads fast enough not to have to worry about, uh, you know, just, just, just tapping the X button uh, a bit. <laughs> we'll skip through the cutscenes. It's not too much of a problem. And like, is, do you think like with this last chapter that this is like a never ending mode? Do you think there is a finite conclusion or do you think you can just keep playing it? Well, or <clears throat> the fact there's chapters would lead me to believe that, that, that it will end at some point. I'm on chapter five now. Yeah. I've had a look at how long to beat, you know, and I think to, to, I'm not sure what they're counting when they say how long to beat, because there's loads of modes in the game as well as the, uh, 
Libra of Soul, there's another story mode, which has a lot of reading in it also, but concerns the main characters and not your own unique character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so some say there's like 35 hours of game in here. And now, okay. I think that's probably a combination of the story mode and the Libra of Soul mode, personally. Because there's some achievements which are locked, uh, the secret achievements. I think they're to do with the story mode because I think I've pretty much got every achievement for Libra of Soul other than like one or two. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's been good. I mean, it's a bit of, I guess it's a bit of a slog. I enjoy Soul Calibur. I enjoy fighting games. I think I can play it about an hour or so at a time. What I've been doing is uh, before I uh, start work every day and play an hour, of Libra of Soul, pretty much. That's like every day okay. for the last two weeks, uh, nearly. Uh, well, not quite exactly, because I've only... <laughs> the past week, let's say. Um, but yeah, um, it's good. Uh, you, you like RPGs, you might enjoy it. I do, but I, I mean, I don't know if I like Soul Calibur that much to like yeah. deal with the RPG-ness, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like fighting games, obviously, but I don't... I've never really clicked with the story mode in a fighting game beyond a traditional, like, hey, go through Neither these eight I. fights and beat a thing. I'm surprised that I've stuck with this as long as I have, but I think part of that was getting all the achievements. And I was like, I've done this now. I've played so many hours. I'm going to get through this. Not Fair that enough. it feels like a chore. Uh, you can change your chosen weapon throughout the um, story mode, so you don't have to stick with one. But it does actually, it's in your benefit to stick with one because then you'll find uh, more leveled up versions of that weapon I've, you know, I've discovered. So if you keep using one, when you find a weapon, it, the higher one, the higher um, leveled weapons are ones you've been using most. So, right. it, yeah, it does help to, I guess, use the same thing. I've been using uh, Siegfried and I think I've, you know, I've got better at Soul Calibur through playing this mode. And Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah, I think some of the uh, new things he introduced in Soul Calibur 6, it really helps you get used to using them. Uh, for example, the reversal edge and uh, using soul charging, because some missions ask you to do certain criteria. Like you can only defeat an enemy by, uh, soul by a soul charge move, or you have to use a critical edge move to kill it, or you have to get a ring out. Uh, so, yeah, it does make you understand... The, the game better okay that's cool to know so yeah uh, a big thumbs up from me I can say if you want a long sort of story mode then so Calibur 6 does have one but be prepared to be putting in a lot of hours if you want to see it through to the yeah. end of course it's not a new game <laughs> and, and no, again I've only been playing it I've only been playing it because with the, the better load times on the Series S that that was really the the reason and the fact it was on Game Pass because I have a disc version of it on PS4 and Xbox. So, you know, the fact it was on Game Pass was a blessing and it enabled me to actually play it again on that system. Nice. Okay. Well, fair enough. So, speaking of a, a game that's a year or two old uh, with really bad load times, I've been playing uh, a game on the PS4 that I'd seen on sale and gone, ooh, I haven't had one of them in a while. I'm I'm peckish for a bit of that. Uh, I started playing, and I'm about, I don't know, three quarters of the way through, maybe, a game called The Suicide of Rachel Foster. Um, oh, dear, that sounds intense. It does, uh, but what the suicide of Rachel Foster is, Tom, is a game published by One One, uh, developed by One One Games uh, in two thousand and twenty. 
and it is essentially a walking simulator, for lack of the better term. Um, I do love a walking simulator. So do I. And I had watched the trailer for this. I was like, okay, there seems to be... Okay, You essentially the plot of the game is you are walking through your family's old hotel. Like you've, you've been asked to, after, after the death of your father, you've been asked to go and view this hotel called the Timberline where you grew up that was owned by your mother's family and essentially sell it. And it turns out that during that starting bit of the, the game, you learn that not only are you going to sell it because your dad's died? But the reason you weren't there when your father died was because of events that happened. And it sounded originally in the the letter you read from your mother at the start of the game asking mm-hmm. you to go to this hotel um, that your father had had an affair and essentially that affair had resulted in the girl in question who he'd had an affair with uh, committing suicide and as you go into that it turns out that perhaps it wasn't just an affair perhaps this girl was underage and there's a whole weird angle to this hotel and so you you start going through it and it kind of riffs on a few of the of the more well-known and well-respected walking simulators or first-person adventure games, whatever you want to call them, in that it feels very much like a meld of gone home, for obvious reasons, that you are returning to what was essentially your family home 10 years after you left, mm-hmm. and um, a little bit of Firewatch, because you you go into this hotel, you have a... Essentially, very early on, you find... A, like a, a cordless phone that they're saying is a cell phone. And it could be because it's absolutely massive. Like I'm sure 90 cell phones looked like this. And you're walking around this hotel and you're talking to a guy from like the, the forestry services or the local police or wherever he's from called Irvine. And your character's name is Nicole. And you're walking around this inn and he's kind of telling you bits and bobs about the inn because the the local precinct of wherever he works kind of comes and helps with maintenance for this hotel before your dad died. So he kind of knows the ins and outs of the hotel. And you're you're walking around and you're you're doing like maintenance stuff and because of that it feels very firewatch. It's like the relationship between uh, your character and Dolores in that game that he is telling you what to do. You're having quite introspective conversations with that person however i would like to stress this very much i don't think that uh the suicide of rachel foster is as good as either of those games okay and i i think that's for a number of reasons one i don't think the writing is anywhere near as good as it is in firewatch and as much as i didn't really like firewatch in the end i didn't think the story was that great because it felt a bit too loose. And as much as I liked, like I said, the interaction between Henry and Dolores, the main characters in that game, I feel like at least the conversations they were having and the introspection and like connection that they felt felt yeah. real. I don't feel that between Rachel and Irving. It feels, A, it goes from like, hey, we are calling each other by surnames to first names very, very quickly in the space of like two or three dialogue wheels where they become very familiar with each other and just also a lot of the dialogue that rachel says doesn't really strike me as something that would come out of a human being's mouth 
And there's always Not that kind of weird yeah. uncanniness to her saying something like, oh, I vowed never to come here again. And just like, it's, you know, like stuff that sounds right, like something someone would say. But then she doesn't, she seems very articulated in some sentences, but then not in others. And like, I don't know the the writing of both of those characters so far has kind of seemed a bit scattershot and a bit all over the place. Did this um, come out uh, long enough for it to be, have been influenced by? Yes, Firewatch? absolutely. This came out last year. Um, or at the end of 2019. So it is very much doing that. It also does the thing that Firewatch does where it's splitting to days. Yeah. Like where you get that really... Do you remember if this was new for Firewatch? Some of these like splitting into days or perhaps, you know, the dialogue between two people and and getting closer as the story went on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, obviously you, you gain relationships through characters, through stories, but I think Firewatch was the first one to do this within this sense of a walking simulator. I mean, if you look at things like Gone Home and the ones that came before that of some of the older, like, Sierra adventure games, they didn't have this level of immersion. No, no, Gone Home is, is quite different and, uh, like, Layers of Fear as well. I mean, I haven't played all the walking simulators, but they're, they're, those are a couple that come to mind. And Rapture it, it, as well. Rapture doesn't yeah. um, have. Well, it does have di- It does have dialogue, though, doesn't it? But yeah, not in but the that's same you way. Listening, isn't it? It's like you being a voyeur into the mystery of what's happened in this town. Whereas Rachel is definitely. Oh, not Rachel. Sorry, Nicole. Uh, Rachel is the the girl that died. Uh, Nicole is very much in this thing, and she's very much like an active participant because obviously it's her, her own family story like it mm. is her her dad who's embroiled in the scandal it is the hotel of her childhood and her room is exactly how she left it 10 years ago like her dad has cleaned it but it is the same like there are the kind of hallmarks of stuff you an 80s kid would have had of like mixtapes and all this kind of stuff and oh yeah there's there's some weird stuff and there's some just there's ideas of like, oh, this is an 80s thing. Like, there's a realness to Firewatch. There's a realness to everyone's gone to the Rapture and things like Gone Home that I think kind of escape this game and that they've they've created narrative trappings and some of them don't really make sense. So, for example, the power goes out in the hotel and you go through boxes to find something that could act as a flashlight and it's like oh there's a polaroid camera i can use the flash on this and i'm like but you couldn't because a polar like you've specifically said this is a polaroid camera polaroids mm. can only work if there's a film in them because that's how polaroids work like well that's coming from thing. a polaroid expert matt as we established i mean clearly time. i've i've showed my credentials <laughs> and why i can make that critique but it's also just like it's just one of those things it was just like oh and you just have like a regular camera like it was and then there's a an event where you need to go and like heat up a can of beans and i'm like you can't just put a can of beans in the microwave that's not how microwaves work metal in a microwave blows up a microwave this is really strange There's well it might, like be, a... it might be one of them microwavable pots no it's set in the, the 80s they weren't invented yet they literally put she literally opens the can and puts the can in the microwave i'm like that would blow the microwave up that's not how oh my gosh the decisions um, like anyway that, but are... yeah small things like that kind of take you out of it a little bit but more more of a problem with the game than that, like me nitpicking small things, is 
I think it's very bad at telling you what you have to do. And I think Firewatch was guilty of this to a certain extent as well. But even I managed to get through Firewatch. It's just like... It tells you um, when you get these beans, for example. It's like, put the beans in the microwave. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll put the beans in the microwave. But there's no indicators. you're totally against the idea. Yeah, exactly. Even though I'm just like, you fool, you're going to burn down the hotel. How are you going to evaluate this place if it's on fire? Well, how long are you putting the beans in for? Oh, that's also an annoying thing, that you put them in and you have to, like, wander around for a minute or two while you wait for the beans. Oh, that's wrong, because a minute or two, that's going to... I mean, if you're putting in for, like, I guess 20 seconds or something, you could probably get away with putting it in in a a, a microwave. No, mate, I I don't... I wouldn't do it. I would not advise anyone did it. But definitely, if you've got it in for a, a minute... Wow, you're gonna have problems. Exactly, but it, anyway, like that was kind of an annoying thing. But you're walking around this kitchen, and it's like, oh, I should put these beans in a microwave. And I'm like, okay, I will do. And I wandered around the entire kitchen. I found the only thing that I thought looked like a microwave after expecting everything. And was like, oh, it doesn't let me put them in. There's a broom in the way of this yeah. microwave. I guess yeah. what I need to go is go back to the master bedroom because there was a small kitchen there and use the microwave there. So I trundled along. You don't walk very fast, and it's got that kind of annoying, like, head bob camera movement system that kind of usually makes me feel a bit Doesn't sick. Doesn't sound like you like this game very much. No, it, it <laughs> it's, it's very flimsy. Um, so you, you go, and I went back to this thing, and I was like, oh, I can't put these in this microwave. That's interesting. And then I went back downstairs, and I explored the kitchen again. It turns out that the microwave next to the one that I tried to put the stuff in originally actually would let me put it in so i did and i was like oh that's that's a bit annoying that the game didn't like highlight this or allow me to think about this space are we calling this podcast no beans in the microwave because i can see a thumbnail already okay i can do that for you tom parry um (laughs) I, i will write it down um Anyway, so I I did this and I got back and I was like, oh, that's kind of annoying. It didn't signpost it. And then there was an event about 10 minutes later where I had to pick up a telephone. And Mm. I was in the reception hall of this hotel. There are literally, there's one telephone on the desk of the, like the reception, like on the table. There are three payphones. I was in this room and, like, there wasn't any, like, sensory audio in that it would get louder the closer I got to the payphone. And hmm. so I was, like, literally, I was clicking on every phone. And I was like, this sounds really loud. It must be in this room because I'm... But there are only four phones. This is really weird. And so I went upstairs and went on to, like, a room that was above the room I was in. Hmm. And there was just, a, like, an odd phone on a wall. And then that was the phone. And I was like, I knew... Why didn't you highlight this? Or why didn't you make it so I could pick up any phone? Did it actually matter that I picked up this specific phone? And, like, the game is the game seems very bad at telling you where you need to go. And there's also a couple of experiences I've had where, because you're talking on this phone yeah. a lot of the time, like this narrative with this character called Irving, like you're walking around the environment. And there were cases where I was wandering around and I was just, like, looking through the hotel and trying to explore... And then the character was like, oh, I'm pretty hungry. I was already in the larder. And then the character's like, oh, I'm pretty hungry. And the character on the phone says, oh, you should go to the larder. I bet the food there's fine. And I was literally hovering over food that said moldy food. And I was like, I got word for you, my guy. It probably isn't. And so I tried clicking on the food once it hung up. And I couldn't. And I was like, 
Oh, that's really odd. I literally just had the conversation about coming to the pantry and this food be like and getting food from the pantry and I can't click on the moldy food to tell him, hey, the food's moldy. Oh. What I had to do was walk out to the pantry again and then the character picked up the phone and was like, I'm in the kitchen. Where's the pantry? And I'm like, I was, I was just in the pantry. I know where the pantry fucking is. And so it, it doesn't reward you for exploring either, which is obviously the, the key strength of something like Gone yeah. Home. Yeah, and yeah. what Firewatch does really well is if you go to a place and you you are as Henry and you see something that you're talking about on the phone, Henry's like, oh, actually, I'm already at the canyon. And the game like kind of fast forwards through the dialogue. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's just not a lot of smart game design going on. So this and was on PS4 and, and this costs how on- much? It was uh, it was on sale. I think I paid like a tenner for it. I think it's like twenty quid on Steam actually. Which yeah, for a game of this length, I'm sure it's fine. But it it is not it is not up to the level of its contemporaries, and especially the games that it is trying to be like. It is trying to ape. It just doesn't achieve those same heights. I'm gonna complete it. It's got. I'm far enough along that it it's starting to go, ooh, we're going into, like, mystery realms, and there were ghost hunters in this hotel, and, oh, gosh, you can see them screaming about something that's off-camera. What was off-camera? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really care that much. You're kind of setting the mystery up that the girl might be still alive, maybe? you commit Have you looked how long it, maybe this... it will take to, to finish it? Apparently the game is only like three to four hours long, um, which you know, Gone Home is like an hour. But I, I felt more immersed in Gone Home. I think I spent more than an hour in Gone Home because the world sem- seemed so flashed out. Yeah, this, this just doesn't feel that same. It's not got that same gravitas as either Gone Home or Firewatch. It's a bit sad because I, like I said, I was really itching for one of these. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Mm. The idea of walking simulators and what about De Arrested? Did you play De Arrested? I did, and I loved it. Okay, that's one I, I've I, got I think... to play. I haven't played yet. Deerester is good. Deerester is... I don't think of it as fondly as I do, especially Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which for me is the gold standard of these games. But I, I think there's some really cool vignettes and scenes in Deerester that I really enjoyed. I haven't played any of the Layers of Fear or these horror games, because I'm like, well, if I'm going to play something spoopy in first person i'm gonna play resident evil 7 but yeah especially now eight's out i really want to play through resident evil 7 i just don't know well i'm there as well that game's quite scary yeah i i've uh i want to get on with that i tried a few weeks ago well not that i tried and i I failed because of anything to do with the game i i just moved on to soul caliber (laughs) yeah but uh yeah i feel like i should only actually a lot certain amount of time to playing games uh, and yeah, so Calibre's been the game that I've decided is my gaming allocated time just lately. Although I did play a bit but of um, fine. Episode One Racer last night. Yeah, you didn't. On the Switch. You didn't feel like playing Episode Two uh, R- Racer Revenge or whatever. It's no, called which is I've completed instead. that on the, yeah, the PS4. So you... Yeah. You're going back and playing the first one now. As a playing the first one, yeah, it's really nice because it's faster, high resolution on the N- than on the N64. Uh, yeah, I just want to uh, complete that. Well, I'm reminded how long the tracks are on that game, though. Yeah, and playing too it in long, hand, some might say, yeah, too long. Yeah, and playing it in handheld mode, it's cripple. It cripples me because you're constantly having to push forward on that stick to do the uh, the boosting, 
and uh, it's just not a very comfortable game to play on the Switch in handheld mode, I don't think. I... No. Even in the arcade, even sitting in that pod, it was never I've never quite... done that. I would have loved oh, to have tried, tried so that. Good. It was still not that comfortable to play, even in an arcade. Although, so... I do think you can play with Joy-Cons, um, as you would have done in the arcade. You know, you can take those Joy-Cons off and have that control style. Um, yeah. that, that That's close to the arcade version. Uh, but no, uh, I I played it on the N sixty four originally, and I'm playing it in the the same control scheme as the N sixty four, which is not the default control scheme. They they stick the accelerator on the trigger, whereas originally, obviously, it was on A. Well, not obviously, yeah. but yeah, it was on A before, and <laughs> so I like to play it in that traditional uh, pod racing fashion. But yeah, uh, not been playing too much just lately, but I have got back into buying PSP games, which is uh, oh really. Which I have been playing the games that I've been buying, but only briefly. I picked up a Medal of Honor for the PSP. Yeah. Uh, nice, nice, and nice and cheap. Uh, which actually works pretty well. Obviously, it's, it would be better with two analog sticks, and you are using the face buttons to, uh, you know, look around, look up and down, which yeah. takes a little bit of getting used to. Uh, I've also played a Naruto game. I think it's Ninja something two, Ultimate Ninja two. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Cars, Racerama's pretty good. Uh, I, I would recommend if you like racing games. It's, it's not bad at all. And Dead Alive Paradise, I've also oh, okay. uh, tried out on the PSP, uh, which is, you know, a fine portable version of uh, Extreme Beach Volleyball. Yeah. Uh, I, keep, I keep forgetting that's on the PSP. Yeah, it was one of the few Dead Alive games I didn't have and thought, well, I'll get it, you know. Yeah, why not complete the <laughs> well, collection indeed uh so yeah it's been been thinking a lot about the psp just lately and really appreciating uh how good that console is and how it, it was always my favorite portable console at the time so mine too i mean i i played a lot of PSP i have a lot of love I mean, it, a lot of love for it, the psp more, more i got into that obviously a lot more than i got into the vita even though the vita is a very capable very good console I think the the form factor of the uh, PSP, uh, particularly the light version, slim and light one, is just just perfect. I enjoy the size of the buttons. I don't like how small the face buttons are on the um, Vita. Yeah. At least, I don't know, I've never used the other models of the Vita, only the original one, so I can't comment yeah. on them. But uh, as good as it is, I think the, the PSP feels better in your hand. I don't. Play. I don't disagree with that. I've always liked the Vita. I only ever had the original PSP, which felt a bit bulky. So then getting the Vita afterwards was like, oh, this is nice. Um, I don't know. I I like the PSP a lot. Uh, obviously, UMD is a problematic format. A lot of stuff now. When I see PSP games, I need to double check that the UMD is actually still together. Because I always worry about that. But recently, the last four I bought, one of them was new. The but the rest were pre-owned. Yeah. very very solid uh, UMDs <laughs> then they're not uh, p coming apart at the seams or anything and I have to say there's something quite nostalgic about hearing the spin of the UMD, oh, the like, UMD. yeah I get you yeah I, it, it's a very nostalgic console for me um, more so than the Game Boy oh Tom Parry don't say don't say things <laughs> that are going to hurt me on this podcast that's just cruel well, should I say the PSP um, is my favourite portable console no I mean, 
I, I think people would agree with you. I think there are enough PSP games of worth, like Local Roco and stuff, that people nah, would yeah, say it, yes. It's the not PSP fair is... to say that. I think I don't think it's the best portable console, but it is a favourite of mine. I think there was probably far better games on the DS and the Game Boy Advance. I I would I would say perhaps on the Game Boy Advance. I, d- I don't know. Like I mean, the DS had such a a wealth of library, but I mean, PSP had very good games. For me, the PSP was always a system I could play PS One games on, so it allowed me to play things like Xenogears and stuff that I didn't mm. play elsewhere. I so. think for platformers, it wasn't the best. Loco Roco is a great game, and yeah, I guess it's a platformer, isn't it? Uh, but. The DS and the Game Boy Advance. I'm thinking of like Yoshi's Island DS. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of some, some good uh, platform, the new Super Mario Brothers games on the DS. And thinking about the kind of games I like best, the PSP is really good because it's got lots of good racing games. Yeah, it has loads that's... of RPGs too. Like... Yeah, yeah. So both ends of the spectrum. And it's also got loads of good fighting games as well, the, the, uh, the PSP. Yeah. Uh, so, for me, being a lover of those two genres, particularly, and also platformers. Well, uh, I mean, that's the thing, right? The PSP is Sony trying to make a console that felt like a home console in the palm of your hand, right? Whereas Nintendo's philosophy always differed from that. Like, perhaps with the Game Boy Advance, they kind of got into the territory of, like, hey, we can make Super Nintendo quality games now on on a handheld, but... I never really felt that same level. There was always that differentiation between a first-party console Nintendo game and a, a handheld one, which I think has dissipated now with the Switch, but I don't think that was there with the PSP. And I think no. that was perhaps even the downfall of the Vita, right? It was trying to make really ambitious games like Gravity Rush and trying to take Uncharted and make a handheld version of that. And it's like, well these small screens aren't really that great for this. And I remember buying Gravity Rush with my Vita and Persona 4 Golden and going, ah, this is all right. But it wasn't until I played it on the PS4 that I was like, wow, this game is incredible. Hmm. Persona 4 is pretty good on the Vita. I mean, I've only ever played it on the Vita. Persona 4 is good on the Vita. I mean, it's because it's a solid game. But I think an RPG suits itself more to a handheld console than a big third-person action game. Something... I found interesting recently is my girlfriend, um, she's very much uh, into Zelda Breath of the Wild at the moment. Yeah. And uh, she never plays it on the TV. She'll sit there right next to the TV, but always play it on the Switch. And I, I often say to her, I say, don't you want to play it on the TV? It's such a beautiful looking game and the music's really good. I says, no, I'm fine. She says, I'm fine with it on here. She likes playing it on the handheld mode. Saying that, I do think I played most of Mario Odyssey on handheld mode. I I definitely played Breath of the Wild on TV. I, yeah, I I would have thought that would be a better way of playing it, but she's just not not interested. Fair, okay, different strokes, <laughs> I guess, with different people. But I did also play Mario Odyssey on mostly on the uh, handheld mode, just because when I was playing it, uh, I think it was Christmas time, and I was at my parents, and they were using the TV, or I was playing it yeah. when I was travelling, and uh, yeah the only way to play it really yeah it was the same for me we traveled back to the uk like i bought it the weekend it came out there and i just played it on handheld mode yeah so yeah uh but yeah great handheld console as well uh, speaking of because the switch really is is the best of both worlds for sure you, you could say that's the best handheld ever maybe it's just a bit big I'm... isn't it 
I mean, yeah, but I I mean, there's the light as well. Like, I'm sure people enjoy mm. that as a handheld. Sure, that's okay. Mm. I haven't had one myself. I haven't had the pleasure, but I'm sure it's good. Yeah, I know you'd say Game Boy, though, if it came down to it. SP. I, mean, I'm, I, I, I kind of have to say SP because it plays all of the previous yeah. Game Boy models and whatever. Like, yeah. I, I love it. It's got good battery life. The screen on a 101 is incredible. And, like, I, I keep seeing people modding original Game Boys and going like, oh, look at this screen, so much better than a 101. And I'm like, not really. Well, <laughs> like, it's fine, a 101. Sc- it's very playable. The, the screen on a 101 is not only very playable, but, like, people are putting in, like, these LCD screens, and it kind of does what an upscaler does, is that it makes everything pixel perfect. And I'm like, these games were never meant to be experienced like that. Like, what are you doing? Like, everything looks too sharp. Like, you lose all of the the subtlety and the minutiae of people putting, like, different coloured sprites next to each other so they blend into one and create like a more realistic portrait of a character's face, for example. Like mm. Absolutely. That's yeah. Anyways, that's enough rabbiting on from us. Let's call it a day, Tom Parry. You and I are busy people with busy lives and things to do. Isn't that right, mate? Absolutely. Breakneck speed, my life. <laughs> Especially during a pandemic. There's been a couple of good podcast titles within this one, but oh well, never mind. Um, Anyways, if you've enjoyed listening to us at Breakneck Speed, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on tommattack.com forward slash podcast, blastprocess.com, on many, many listening platforms such as iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. While you're there, want to give us a cheeky rate and subscribe. You can also find us on social media at the usual places at Facebook such as facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Tack. Also on Twitter, at TMACast, at TomParry11 for him, at GameBoyle for me. Tom, you putting anything out this week on Blast Process? Um, I'd like to. I want to get another live stream in before the end of the week, so uh, I'm not sure what it's going to be yet. I've been doing a lot of math system lately, so if you want to check out some of the past ones uh, and you like Sega Math System, then you're in for a, in for a treat. Fair dues. Um, and yeah, I'm not going to promise any biographic stuff because I've I don't have time to do it, so let's see. Okay, Tom, it's always it's been a pleasure talking to you, mate. Absolute and pleasure, mate. Thank you, mates out there, for listening. Uh, until <laughs> next week, mates, be sure to game on. Game on, mate. ever go to something like a tune when 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 you're waiting for something or like i i go to um you've been no i go to like it's on hold i think that's you've been framed or or i'll go to the 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 beatles and the da 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 dum dum da that goes around in my head. If there's anything, just that first bit. Da 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 dum dum dum.